Let's get together into the Word of God uh, this morning. Praise God. Oh man, it's so good to be looking out on such a house that's filling again. And it's a joy, and it's a joy for me to be able to welcome people for the first time as well. Or if, you know, this is just, you know, one of your early visits to us. It's so, so good to uh, be together and uh, praise God. I also just want to send our love uh, to uh, Maria, uh, who was expecting and just dropped me a message this morning to say, Hi, Pastor, hope you're well. I delivered a lovely baby boy on the 15th of September. Praise God. So big congratulations to Maria and to, to Shake. And uh, I've got a series of lovely pictures to download and, and, and have a look at here as well in, in a moment. So Maria, if you're watching, and Shake, if you're watching, God bless you and congratulations. Great. Well, let's get into God's Word together this morning. Now, uh, it isn't a series from Joshua, uh, this series, No Holding Back, but uh, Sylvie rang me up uh, last week and we were just having a chat and, uh, and said to me like, oh, are you carrying on next week? And because uh, I see you preaching next week. And I said, oh, I don't know. And then I felt God say to me, yes, you are. And uh, so I'm glad that Sylvie rang me because it brought clarity to what God wanted me to do. Uh, today, but we're going to continue talking about how if we are to move forward individually, if we are to move forward as a church, if we are to move forward in the vision that God has given us, there are some things that we have to face in our lives, in our church, and in vision that can hold us back. This sense that God is saying it's time to move forward. Would you turn to the person next to you and say, It's time to move forward? Now, I'm hoping whoever looked you in the eye when they said that, said it like they meant it. We don't need to kind of do that, do we? Like you do with your kids when you say, now say something. I'm sorry. Now say it like you mean it. Come on, look them in the eyes. It's time to move forward. All right, that's getting better. Now, the question at the heart of this series is really simply this. How do we get from where we are to where God wants us to be. Uh, and if we're going to get there, we need to deal with those things. And last week, as I say, we kicked off in uh, by talking about not being held back by fear, but moving forward with faith and courage. And we were in Joshua chapter 1. And do you remember the context in which we uh, saw, uh, sorry, the, the context that we saw last week, which is that Joshua and the people are called to move forward in the midst of really challenging times. Just to recap, times when naturally speaking, it made little to no sense. In fact, truth be told, times when naturally you'd feel more like holding back rather than moving forward. Moses was dead. God has spoken to Joshua and said, Joshua, now you know Moses is dead. Moses, the great man of God, the mentor of Joshua who had led this nation, uh, was now dead. The Jordan River was flooded. These were crazy days. God has spoken to him about them needing strength and courage in the land they were going into because there were definitely battles that were to come. They were about to enter into unfamiliar and uncertain times. They were going somewhere they'd never been before. And we liken that to the times in which we are finding ourselves living right now, that these are somewhat unfamiliar and uncertain times, that we are moving in a place and in a way and in a direction where we've never really been before because the world seems so different and so 
kind of all over the place and upside down. And yet in that very context, Joshua 1 verse 1 to 2, the Lord said to Joshua, now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people. They'd spent years on the wrong side of what God had for them. Years wondering and wandering, years wondering what lay across there, what God had. And now God begins to speak and say, come on, it's time for that season now to be over. It's time to arise and go over this and begin to move forward into what I've got for you. That word arise, you remember, means it's time to rise up and rouse yourself. It's time to stand up and stir yourself up. It was, in essence, a call to move forward. Now, today I want to just fast forward just two chapters to chapter three, and we're going to go to the banks of the River Jordan, because this now was where the rubber was about to hit the road. Chapter one, we see in verses 10 through to 18, that there are the rumblings and stirrings of movement. The people are like, go, Joshua, go. They're like, we're with you. Let's go. There's, there's a stirring in the camp. There's rousing speeches. There's rousing responses. There's preparation and planning, but it's kind of like... It, Joshua chapter 3, this is like crunch time because now they're standing on the, the banks of the River Jordan. You may have heard loads of messages about crossing over, but I believe that God wants to speak something fresh into our hearts today. As they stood on that bank, they stood there with that word from God in their hearts from Joshua 1 verse 9. Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Well, now was go time. This was kind of really where faith and fear was ultimately going to kind of collide, if it was ever going to collide, as as they stood on the banks of the Jordan. And so Joshua 3 verse 1 to 17 says this, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you, about 2,000 cubits. I think one Bible puts in brackets, that's about 3,000 feet in length. Do not come near it in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, today I'll begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, here is how you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you every ite. Behold, verse 11, the ark of the covenant of the Lord, just because my pronunciation is rubbish, I'm dodging them all really. But behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall cut off from flowing 
and the water shall come down from above that shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. The waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarathen. And those flowing down towards the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off. And the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground. In the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Lord, we may have read this many times, but I pray you'll speak fresh into our hearts today. God, really communicate what you want to say. Speak to us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 There's four words that I want you to take away today that I believe will help you, help us as a church, help us in the vision to keep moving forward in challenging seasons. Naturally, as we say, seasons when it seems to make little sense to be talking about moving forward. The four words I want you to take away today are this. These, sorry. Focus, follow, honor, and move. Focus, follow, honor, and move. Number one, focus. It says there in verse one, they came to the Jordan and it says, and they lodged there before they passed over. Verse two tells us it was a three-day camp. We think that's nice, like a church weekend away. They're pitching up on the banks of the river Jordan. Like when we go to a church weekend away, we pitch up, we go to get fired up, we go to get stirred up. You know, but there's no mention here of any band. There's no mention of Israel preaching a uh, sorry Joshua preaching a, a Saturday night message or anything to stir the people. But their long weekend away, if you like, were three days of what seemed like silence. For three days, they're waiting for the word of the Lord. On the banks of the River Jordan, friends, I believe there was a fight for their focus. How many people know that waiting, well, I don't like waiting. I'm the Tesco queue jumping, lane hopping kind of guy. But it's especially hard in challenging times when you've got to wait. And here they are for three days, and we're not told anything about any word of God coming to them. For three days, I believe there was a great tussle, a great fight for their focus. Because we know there are things we can focus upon that can feed our fears, and there are things we can focus upon that feed our faith. And for three days, there's nothing going on. No word from God, and all the time, the size of the very challenge that literally lay before them is pulling their focus. Three long, I believe, and intimidating days in a natural sense. Because as I've already said, the river was flooded. Overflowing its banks at the time of harvest, this this, uh, river which was normally shallow, narrow and shallow, is suddenly vast and fast flowing as the snow is melting on the mountains of Lebanon. And it is just coming down. What is normally a narrow and shallow river has flooded its banks and is a flowing, moving river. How many people would have sat there saying, oh God, why couldn't we have just done this some other time? 
God, why couldn't we have just done this when it was narrow and shallow, but now a hundred foot deep, one mile wide springtime flowing river that's flooding its banks is what you're asking us to cross. I think over them three days, the human impossibility of the task that lied before them was kind of ever more prevalent than it had ever been before. This awareness of the sheer size of what lied before them. This big fearful obstacle which literally, as you lay your head on the pillow at night, it was the last thing you heard. And as you opened up, unzipped your tent if you like. I'm sure they didn't have zips then, but... And as you entered out, it was the first thing you saw. And for three days, it was all you looked at. Continually before them, day and night there, on their minds all the time, no getting away from it. It was in their face. Friends, does this not sound somewhat like the last 18 months we've been living through? A big, fearful obstacle which seems to have been continually before us day and night, on our minds, just there, no getting away from it. It's been in our face. And last time they'd stood on the the banks of the River Jordan, they had fallen into a fear focus. Fear had gripped them and they'd turned back. And this time as they stand there, God is saying to him, no, 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 that's not what we want to happen this time. We don't want to go back into a wilderness. We don't want to go back there. And God says, this is how you're going to get forward. This is how you're not going to kind of retreat. This is how we're going to move forward in faith. Verses 3 to 4. And command it, as soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it in order you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. And Joshua said, take up the Ark of the Covenant, pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. God begins saying the way across, you've got to focus on the Ark. You've got to learn to get your eyes off what you're seeing naturally. You've got to learn to focus on the ark. You know this. The ark represents the presence of God in the Old Testament. It symbolizes the presence of God. And God's saying the thing that is going to carry you forward in this season, the one thing that's going to break the hold of fear which wants to turn you back into a wilderness is a longing for me. It's coming after me. It's pursuing me. In this season, it's realizing that of all the things that people say we need in this season, our greatest need is Jesus Christ. It's pursuing the presence of God because as we are found in the presence of God, that feeds our faith and breaks the hold of fear. You've got to focus on the ark. Fifteen times God talks to them about the ark in chapters three to four. Fifteen times God is calling their attention to the presence and power of God that is with them in the midst of the challenging seasons. Friends, I just want to remind us today of the presence of the almighty God who is with us in this season. The all-powerful one. And we must learn in this season to focus Upon him. He says there, there's got to be this distance of 3,000 feet, it says in the Amplified, so that you're able to see the ark and know the way to go. He's saying, everyone, you've got to be able to get your eyes on the ark. 
You've got to focus on me. You've got to focus on my presence. Because where we focus in challenging seasons will ultimately determine whether we feel able to move forward or we begin to retreat back. In challenging and unfamiliar times, where I put my focus matters. I have a choice to focus upon the Jordan rivers of life which will feed fear, or I have a choice to focus upon Jesus Christ which will feed my faith. God literally says you've got to focus on me. My presence is the one thing that's going to get you through this. Matthew 19.26 says, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Hebrews 12 verse 2 tells us to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Psalm 121 tells us in troubling times, I've got to learn to lift my eyes. To not look up, uh, sorry, to not look around, but to look up. So number one, we've got to focus. Number two, we've got to follow. God says when you see the ark move, verse three, then, then, you set out from your place and follow it. Friends, if we are sensing that God is speaking to us in this season personally, as a church and in the area of vision, that it's time to move forward And I believe as a result of conversations that I had when we begun this series last week and things that people were sharing with me that God was saying and God was doing, if people are sensing that, and I believe many of us are, we have to respond. Because we have to follow God in what he's saying. Following is key to moving forward. Do not underestimate the power of your response to what God is saying. Obedience is crucial in this season, if we, if we push to one side what we feel God is saying, we are not going to move forward. Because God will put stuff before us and then God will wait for us to respond. And previously when God had put it before them, it says in Hebrews 3 verse 19, they were not able to enter because of their unwillingness. God, we are not willing to respond to what you are saying to us. We hear your word, but we're not willing to respond. We're not willing to move. We're not willing to obey what you're saying and to adhere to and trust in and rely upon you. And it says their unbelief shut them out because how we we respond to what God says is a measure of whether there is fear or faith. Do I ultimately trust what God is saying to me in this season? If I respond to what God is stirring, then there is faith. If I hear what God is saying and I turn back from it, then there is fear. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to me in this season? What is God saying to us as a church and in our vision? When God's putting his finger on things saying, this thing here is going to hold you back, but I can set you free from it. God, am I going to follow then and respond to what you're saying? Am I going to turn away? Because obedience unlocks the things of God. God speaks. And at times, the truth is, and I think it's hard to imagine, God will lead you at times way out of your comfort zone. I mean, you're not telling me that these guys, when they camped on the banks of the River Jordan, didn't feel way out of their comfort zone. Your comfort zone is, you know, something that's safe and familiar. And this would have felt anything like that. And God says to him, you've not passed this way before. Listen, when you're going into the unknown, you're way out of your comfort zone. 
When you know something and it feels familiar and, and kind of certain, you're in your comfort zone. But when someone's saying, now you're going to go, I'm, I'm having to ask you, God saying to trust me that actually you're going somewhere you've never been before. You've never been. And we're living in a season a, a lot like that where we're going, God, we've never been this way before. We listened to the news yesterday and I, I, I read some stuff, sorry, in the news yesterday to Claire and Claire's honest response, I was like, man, it just feels like at times like the world's falling apart. We've not been this way before. But friends, when we live in a season of having not been this way before, does fear grip our hearts or does this truth grip our hearts that God knows the way to a bigger, better and brighter future even if we don't? And he's saying to him, you've got to trust me. There are new things ahead. There are bigger things ahead. There are brighter things ahead. He's saying, don't get paralyzed by that fear. God, I don't even know where to turn. I don't even know what to think. I don't even know the way through. Because God's saying, I do. I know where we are. I know where you need to be tomorrow. And I know how to get you to where I want you to be. Follow me. I just need a willing people. Number three, honor. You know, this distance between them and the ark wasn't just so they could focus. It wasn't just so they could follow, but it was an honor, an honoring. It was an understanding, a recognition of who God is. That there had to be at this time this distance between them and the presence of God there. It was, it was a, this, separate, this separation kind of, you sort of think, what does it actually signify? What does it mean? It was simply saying, we acknowledge God, you are holy. And that there's an, there's an awe and there's a reverence for, for, for who you are. Remember, only the Levitical priest could even come near that ark. And, and so we're standing in recognition. Yes, God, you are, you are good, but you are holy and you are awesome and, and you are powerful. And so we are honoring you. We are understanding who you are. In this challenging season, we honor you as the holy, all-powerful, almighty God. And it's saying the reason they were put in distance is saying we don't want to treat the things of God and what God is saying to us lightly or carelessly. But we honor you for who he is. Friends, God is our father, but he is not our casual mate. He is our father and he is our friend. But we cannot treat him casually like we do sometimes others. Well, I just take it and leave it as I please. I hear what God says, but I decide. I, that doesn't really matter what God says. And I begin to just treat God in a casual, light matter. Yeah, well, you know, it doesn't matter and it's not that important. Friends, that attitude will always hold you back. It will always hold you back because God is holy and God is awesome. And God is looking for a people who recognize and honor him for who he is. Hebrews 12, verse 28 to 29 says, Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. I want to ask you, did you worship God this morning with reverence and awe? For our God is a consuming fire. As we're coming before him, is there reverence and awe? You know, are we getting out of phones and jumping on things? Are we distracted in the presence of God, having to flick through eBay or Facebook or whatever it is when we come to spend time with God? And, 
You know, is that kind of like, well, low on our priority list and other things are more important? Because we're treating God carelessly and lightly and we'll never move forward if we treat him like that. But we need to honor him and revere who he is because it says in verse 5 that God asks him here, you've got to consecrate yourself. He says, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. That word consecrate means to set yourself apart, to dedicate yourself and prepare yourself. It means there are some things in your life you've got to learn to separate from if you want to move forward in God. There are some things you have to say, that is pulling my focus. I'm following that. I'm going after that. And it is not taking me places where God wants me to go. And so there are some things and some people and some places we have to learn to say, I separate from that in order that I can move forward in God. Because that person, that relationship, that, that situation, that addiction, that habit, that, that, that mindset, that attitude will continually hold you back. But God makes them a promise. If you come to me and put me number one, it will propel you into things you've never seen before. He says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Friends, we think of repentance and separation and dedicating our lives to Jesus as restrictive and inhibiting and boring. But I want to put it to you, it will propel you into bigger and better and brighter things. Actually, the very thing we call restricting is releasing. Because God says here, you can walk into your tomorrow with an expectation of new miraculous things beginning to break out. I'm sick and tired, God. You say to yourself, well, the way things is, God says, well, there are things you need to get right in your heart. Is there things that you need to repent of? Is there sin that needs dealing with? Are there things you need to separate yourselves from? Are there ways that you need to dedicate yourself to me afresh? It says here, it's to prepare yourself. I want to put it to you, friends, that when you begin to consecrate and honor and revere God, you're preparing yourself for a better tomorrow. God says, I want you to love living clean before me. I want you to love holiness and purity. Not watching that, listening to that, talking like that, acting like that. Don't do the stuff that displeases me. Separate from that, which does please. God is appealing to them here. Will you put me first in your life, in your diary, or in your agenda, in your marriage, in your family, in your finance? Please, God is saying, will you put me first? And he says, as he says there, consecrate yourselves. They would have to do ritual washings and ceremonies and, and bathing. And thank God, I'm not about to kind of ask you to do anything like that because we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus now. But as they done them ritual washings and everything like that, it was saying there's a washing away of sin, sinful things. It's, this is the beginning of a new beginning. This is a rededicating and a redirecting of my life towards God. You are called to a life of holiness and purity. We have to be examining our hearts. God, any sin not sorted? Any stuff I'm doing that's displeasing you? It's liberating. It's freeing. Our expectancy begins to rise as we honor God and love holiness. New things are going to happen. Great things are going to happen. I love the fact that as they consecrated themselves, what potentially could have been three days of fear, suddenly switches to this excitement and this anticipation. We're getting ready with God. We're getting right before God. God's going to do something awesome. 
tomorrow. Lastly, I want to just say to you simply this, move. You've got to focus, you've got to follow, you've got to honor, and you've got to move. When you see it, God says, you see it through all the way through. Verse 8. The ark has now moved, and then God says this, you've got to move. When you come to the brink of the waters of Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. You've got to move into the Jordan. Verse 13, and when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark of the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Verse 15 through to 17. And as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priest bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up. I just want to imagine what it would have been like to be one of these priests. You're in this position of privilege and honor. And then God says, by the way, go stand in the river. Sorry, God. That hundred foot deep, fast flowing, swollen, intimidating river, wide river. Go stand in the river, the raging river, the overflowing river. The river that Jeremiah says is bound by thickets, thickets dense shrubs and trees and challenging terrain to have to walk through. Go and stand in the river, God. And then Joshua turns to the people and says, oh, and by the way, you follow them into the river. Oh, naturally, I know I keep saying it, but I'm repeating it. Naturally, God, this makes no sense to move forward now. And yet that's exactly what he's asking them to do. Some two million plus people to cross over. God, Please, can't I just stand near the river? Can't I just stand close to the river? And God, you just part this thing. You can do it. Could God do it? Of course he could. Do we believe God could do it? Of course he could. God, can I just say it's a safer here? What if that doesn't part? What if it sweeps me away? I mean, some of them, you know, my, I can't swim. No armbands in these days, is there? Oh God, what about a what about a boat? Let's do a Noah on it, God. Or or maybe we could invent a bridge. God, can't we go around it? Why have we got to go through it? And God's like, if you want a miracle, move. If you want a miracle, go stand in the river. Here's a great revelation for you this morning. I mean, if this is worth getting out of bed for this morning, you can't move forward unless you move. Absolute preaching gold right there, isn't it? You can't move forward unless you make a move. There's no miracle until they moved. If they hadn't moved, they'd never have got across. The waters, the only way the waters would part was if they took a step of faith. The miracle happened when they focused, followed, and honored it happened when they obeyed and not a moment before. God says the moment as you begin to step into the brink of the water and the soles of your feet touch it, and you, oh, there's the water. God goes, <laughs> 17 miles up the road at Adam, this whole river just starts to dry up. Uh, sorry, heap up. And they're looking up there. I mean, I know we preach it, but 17 miles up the road, you see this, swollen river just in a big heap 
But if they hadn't moved, they'd never have moved. Sometimes, friends, the truth is this. You've got to be prepared to get wet if you want things to change. There are times when God calls us to step forward into the chaos, into the challenge, not fearing the worst, but in the expectation of the miraculous. And as we step out, God acts. You know, I would have been in truth, I'd have been prepared to say, well, do you know what, God? I don't actually mind it in my tent. I might just camp here a bit longer. Just let this season kind of pass over and we'll, we'll, we'll do this when it looks a bit, a bit easier. And if you'd have come along to me and I'd have been camping there, say, what are you doing? I'd say, I'm just waiting on the Lord. I'm not fearful. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm waiting on the Lord for the right time, for the better time. Friends, there are tr- the truth is really this, and I, and I don't say this to be facetious or anything like that. Friends, there are times when we say we are waiting on God, but the truth is God is waiting on us. And God's like, make a move. I'm ready, God's saying. Let's go. Verse 11 through to 13, he says, I am the Lord of all the earth. That's crucial in this story. I am the Lord of all the earth. He's saying what? He said, I'm the God of all creation. I can stop the very forces of nature. And they're going, right, this is it. Faith or fear? Are we stepping into the chaos? Are we stepping forward into this challenge that lies before us? We hold him back in fear and God says, please, step forward in the expectation of the miraculous. Someone needs to hear that today. God is saying, step forward in the expectation of the miraculous. You imagine seeing it. You imagine, can't you? Oh, I can't imagine, actually. This heap of water 17 miles up the road at Adam. Just and two million people crossing a dry bread. Do you know, uh, dry bread? A dry riverbed. Do you know, even I just highlighted here, I love the fact that it says here, and they stood firmly on dry ground. Let me tell you, friends, when you step forward in faith, God won't let you slip. Because that thing, it, wasn't, it just instantly dried out. And they stood in the middle of this river. Challenging times can also be our greatest opportunities. God was definitely testing their faith. God was definitely saying, I mean, he could have done it from the river's edge. Maybe he was really saying this. Listen, anyone can trust me on dry ground. I want to know if you trust me in the river. Do you trust me enough to go and stand in the river? It's not hard to trust God when times are easy. It's the tough times when real faith is revealed. But in those difficult moments, there is great opportunity to see God's power at work in ways we've never seen before. I don't know, maybe as they cross that river, and I'm winding this up now, maybe as they cross that river, you know, and you imagine how long it took for two million people to get across. That doesn't happen quick. And God's holding back the river the whole time, holding it back, holding it back. Every person who steps down there, it's a step of faith into the riverbed. I can't actually tell you if that I can say to you, they all went in there just feeling real safe. Let me tell you, if you're looking up the road, 17 miles up the road at a fast-flowing river in a heap, I, re- I dare to think you may have felt, oof feels a little kind of safe. I feel a little exposed. I feel a little out here. But God's saying, no holding back. Move forward. Step forward in faith. And it's not until we're told the very last man, woman, child crosses that thing. In Joshua 4, verse 17 to 18, you can read it in your own time. As they step out, the river flows. Why did God call them to move? This is my closing question. Verse 10. And Joshua said, here is how you will know 
that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you all the ites. There were challenges ahead. But God wanted them to know as they moved forward, they need not fear now or hold back. Because as they looked back to the Jordan, they could look forward in faith. If God can roll up the Jordan, he can deal with this. He can deal with whatever ites want to come my way. Whatever challenges lie ahead, it's no problem for him. Friends, as I finish, I want to encourage you today. He is still the same miracle-working God. The God we serve today is still the same God who did this then. And that Jordan, what happened at Jordan, would keep them moving forward with courage and confidence. Friends, we're in a season where God is saying, you have not passed, where we feel sorry, we have not passed this way before. And I believe that God is saying to us, don't hold back. I'm not saying hold back, I'm saying forward. Focus on the presence of God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Follow him, his leading and in obedience. Honor him, live right before him and love holiness and move. Step forward in the expectation of the miraculous. There are Jordans before us, but there are new, bigger, better and brighter things ahead of us. And God would say to us, no holding back. It's time to move forward. Amen.